Next on the tee in episode 11 of season 2, we are joined by the first annual Barefoot One Club Scramble champ, Addie Baggerly and Sierra Stout, in front of the main scoreboard adjacent to the 18th green on Pinehurst number 2. What a memorable talk this was, as we covered winning on the cradle, mental health, practice and prep, learning from other athletes, and playing the game the way it was meant to be played. So Baggerly, real good. 2021 Augusta National Women's Amateur Participant, All-SEC twice, freshman team. She played in the Arnold Palmer Cup, obviously for the U.S. Honor roll kid, really talented player, but a better person. And Sierra's a really good one, too. First ever commit in the women's golf program at UNC Charlotte. First ever team MVP, two-time Conference USA selection. After her time with the 49ers, she moved on to Lipscomb. Actually, she is now with two years left of eligibility after becoming a grad transfer. That whole COVID portal system, things working out for both of these girls. As Baggerly's moving on to play for Baylor for a few years, earning her master's, doing big time things over there. The background noise in this episode is fun. You could almost hear the marker writing on the scoreboard behind us as the final numbers went up on day two of the North and South Am. The noise of a bucket as it was dragged along the floor of the scoreboard was the sign of a new number being filled in on the leaderboard just before an epic 12-way playoff for the final spots of match play. You will hear the golf carts start beeping in reverse and the walkie-talkies blaring about the big playoff showdown around the 45-minute mark of this pod. As the resort buzz peaked prior to the madness on number one and the fans lined up to walk the fairways with the players, we rushed out to watch the action, but not before finishing off one of my favorite episodes ever. Addie and Sierra were so honest and heartfelt. I promise if you give this one a full listen, you will feel their uplifting perspective throughout this episode. We have the first annual Grow the Grind Barefoot One Club two-person scramble champions sitting down with us today after a long morning of golf. Addie Baggerly and Sarah Stout rolled into the cradle two nights ago, rocking bucket hats and ran away with the dub. We saw a ton of chest bumping and walking in wedge putts and knew we had to have you guys on. Day two of the North and South Women's Amateur is wrapping up and Addie and Sierra put together good rounds despite the tough greens and course setup here in Pinehurst. We are also looking forward to this time we have together today. We might have to put a pause on the podcast if things get crazy around here, as it seems like there will be a playoff for the final spots in the North and South Amateur for match play that starts tomorrow. But for now, we have a pair of hometown Tennessee guests, and we appreciate you ladies. Thanks for coming on Grow the Grind. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having us. Thank you. We're looking forward to it. So, we're chilling. We're we're by the we're by the scoreboard here over in Pinehurst. Behind us, we've got the north and south numbers going up. Sometimes you like those numbers. Sometimes you don't. Irrelevant today. Okay. Uh, I think I think a lot of what we want to do with our time with you is just is just have some fun. Okay. You guys have been grinding really hard. You had two practice rounds. Two was a bear, four was a little bit better and fair, but still not, not an easy task. So let's reminisce for a minute here. All right, you guys get an inbox from us. You're like, who is this clown? He's hunting us down, trying to get us to do what now, right? Yeah. He's like, what's this guy talking about? But we convinced you 
to show out and you did you came out the other night mm -hmm. and uh, it was after a long day I know that practice round probably was longer than you'd like it to be day one and you came out and you performed at mm -hmm. a very high level you very took the crystal high. I mean you guys had incredible energy and you were wearing bucket hats do you channel a lot of that energy and, and success from the bucket hat do you, do you attribute your success to that Eddie yeah, I mean, I definitely do, but uh, we, we actually figured out we wanted to do that on the car ride over. I was like, hey, I'm bringing two of my bucket hats. That's a train. Yeah, that, yeah. That is a train. Um, but uh, I said, hey, I'm bringing two of my bucket hats, and Sierra was like, no way, I brought three of mine. So, <laughs> yeah, we uh, we decided pretty quickly we'd be team buckets. So, yeah. so, so team, buckets team buckets with the dub and the ship. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what did you think of that event? Oh, gosh. I honestly was so excited. She sent me the screenshot of like, your message when it when uh, you sent it out and stuff, and I was like, heck yeah, Like now I'm pumped to be over here, and uh, it was a good time. We decided a, a good club, we went with the 50 degree, and Did I had a blast. Did both of you choose 50? Yeah. 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 Now, what were you swinging? I was swinging a pitching wedge. Okay. Yeah. There you go. She was in between. I mean, I don't know how much thought you had. The morning of, I went out and took pictures of all the... Uh, to be fair, she did play it with the with the nine and the wedge beforehand, try mm -hmm. to get a little prep work. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and sent you the numbers. And I know Allison Corpus, she decided to go with like a nine iron. Yeah, she did. Big mistake. I was big mistake. By that. I told her that before the round too, and she was like, uh, "I'll make it work." I'm like, "Well, good luck." To her credit, <laughs> they did finish second because they're winners. But like, yeah, yeah right. fifty was the play, right? The longest longest hole was one twenty six out there the other night. Yeah, mm -hmm. we stripped the socks off, even though it didn't look like it. No. Yeah, it looks like we still had some very nice white socks on, some yeah. skin socks. Told, there should there should have been a best tan line award. That's what I was just gonna get to. I told Grace Curran, I think next year I'm gonna name an award after her because mm -hmm. her feet were so white. Yes. So we're gonna need to do additional trophies. There you go. We'll do a skin sock trophy, best white feet. Yeah. And uh, continue to try to make that more fun. And obviously it's something like you've you've never done anything like that, right, Sierra? There's no there's nothing that, that holds a light to that madness, no, is there? Honestly not at all. That's easily one of my favorite evenings on a golf course and I was so pumped to be a part of it. I can't I get believe it. Like you guys you both like. did you both roll one in though? Oh yeah. There was one So we didn't know what to do, it got so dark. Did mm -hmm. you so you were on the were you the last group? We were the last group, yeah. yeah. Which was horrible because you played nine in the absolute pitch black. Yeah. Drop the phone next to the to the tee box <laughs> yeah. to light light the stage for yourself on yeah. that shot, right? And you just heard an audience of people screaming at you like short, long, <gasps> in the trap, right? We thought they were lying. To be yeah, honest. we're like they're messing. Like we don't know where this is, but no, they weren't. They, they weren't. <laughs> they they weren't lying. The truth. There was some concern because Lucy was there and she was like trying to like trail up closer to the green. She's like, Dad, can I go put my phone in the cup so they can see the cup in the middle of a ball in flight, right? And we're like <laughs> trying to pull people back because we were sitting pretty close and you couldn't see anything. No. Yeah. So you had a par that last hole. You had a putt to win it. It was probably like a 18 footer. No, it was it was long. It was longer that than it was long. like 30 feet. Yeah, yeah. Got <laughs> kind of finesse it. With I was wedge. just trying to go for the two putt. Yeah. Which and you did, and then we decided. I didn't know. I wanted to put everybody out there. We're going to talk about some of your favorite holes in the cradle, but we wanted to put everybody mm -hmm. out. What hole is that, Ellie? The punch bowl. Yeah. What's the play on that? Uh, hit it long and let it roll back down there so there's a bank by the pine cone that if you just just throw it up into the sprinkler heads you have a yeah, chance the, at a hole where in the one. pin was oh yeah if you played it by the sprinklers it came back down to the right so that was a good rollout if you play it and there. so we wanted to get it it was too dark so yeah. everybody yeah, was yeah. tired nobody had any food in them right yeah, and, we were, uh, yeah. Uh, so basically thank you right thanks a lot for coming and doing that yeah thank you it was a fun way to start things off and and i know ivy told me that you know 
Baggerly's a psycho. Get her. <laughs> She's <laughs> so, not wrong. Yeah. So yeah. we pulled you in, and then, then we, we, we made it a great time. We're going to talk about some of those holes. Had you guys ever played that before? Yeah. we've. This is our third year together at this tournament, mm-hmm. and we stay with the same host family, and they have us out every year, and we play the cradle at least once. So A yeah. lot of girls that were there, like... Ivy and Rachel, they all said that they've never played the cradle. Hmm. Which showed because they lost to two 12 year olds. I don't know if they, did you, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you did guys, they come in last? They, uh, they might as well have. No, they didn't. They didn't. They, didn't. they were minus one. And uh, <laughs> I, at one point, well, Jenna Kim made three consecutive like yeah. 20 footers for Birdie, seven, eight, nine. I Allie's heard that this partner. morning. It was crazy good yeah. stuff. Yeah, she um, did. What's your favorite hole out there, Sierra? I would honestly say three. I love being able to throw it back there and see what happens. We almost made. One on that so hole. you knew that play? Yeah. I don't think most did, so you did have an edge. Are you coming back? Can you come back next year? And will you try to retain that title? 100%. Absolutely. No yeah? doubt. Yeah. Good, because we have another year amateur status for both of you. Yeah. Because you guys are really unique in that you're using this new system, uh, this like additional year to your benefits. Mm-hmm. So, Addie, you were a Florida Gator. You were chomping for a long time down there in Gainesville, right? Yep. Different. We felt some guilt. Gracie's next to me. She made some posters, and we mm-hmm. were really torn on what to do for you two mm-hmm. because you got this, I'm sure, this incredible sense of pride in your undergraduate stuff where you guys went to school for four years and you supported that. Now, all of a sudden, you know, I'm sitting across from Sierra here, and she's wearing a totally dis- different set of colors, right? You got mm-hmm. that Lipscomb vibe going now, and now you got that Baylor thing. So... Can you just break down how that process worked for you? Because you finished four years at Florida. You finished four years as a 49er in Charlotte, right? Mm -hmm. And so now we're moving on to something different. Yeah, I mean, COVID definitely opened up that opportunity, I think, for both of us to get our master's. And, um, you know, it's it's been a time of new beginnings recently. And I've been a Gator my whole life. I was born in Gainesville. Um, My dad went to Florida, played on their golf team, won a national championship there. And um, it was my dream to play for the Gators, and, and fortunate enough, I was able to do it for four years. But, um, you know, Jay Goble was more than willing to welcome me with open arms into Baylor, and I'm so fortunate for that. And I know I think Sierra has a very similar story with Lipscomb. And, um, you know, Jay was the assistant at Florida for a number of years, about 10 years ago. So he understands how close getting my degree from UF means to me. And he, um, he, he just really wants me to finish there and which I am in December and then I will be going to Baylor in January to get my master's and I'll be there for 18 months I'm only playing for a semester but I'll be living in Waco for a year and a half um focusing on the next chapter in my life wherever that takes me where's it taking you um so you're making all of these big I have to work plans which is so lame (laughs) (laughs) it is lame it's so bad we don't want to grow up (laughs) but you're probably gonna continue the golf dream the grind or are we just gonna say hey this was an awesome run i i loved it but it's time you know i love golf a lot but to play it as a living is something that i feel like would give me an like a little too much stress that would be a little hard on my mental health and i've been talking it over with some of my mentors one of them being sarah ingram the curtis cup captain this year and she's pushing me to stay an amateur and I've talked to Lauren Greenleaf about it as well, and she's also pushing me to stay an amateur, and she's won the Mid-Am, I think, in 2015. And, you know, that, for me, enjoying golf is playing it for fun. I should, I, I really don't want to play it for a paycheck. So 
I don't know. I want to enjoy the game on how it's meant to be played for fun. And I feel like in that, I mean, staying an amateur is in my best interest. That's wild. I mean, we haven't had that. That's really cool. Yeah. And, and you're talking about really legendary golfers that are doing great things. Why do you think they give you that advice? I think they had the same thoughts as me, you know, when trying to make that decision of going pro or not. And I just want to enjoy the game. And sometimes, like recently, I it's it's been kind of tough knowing that there's pressure of like, we're getting closer to going pro and we're getting closer and we're getting closer. I think I kind of figured that out this year at Augusta playing in the Anwa. Um, you know, I was walking down 13, one of arguably one of the best holes in all of golf, and I'm sitting here going, I don't think I want to do this for a living. During that moment? During that moment. I'm like, I don't think I want to do this for a living. I think I want to enjoy it because the amount of stress that I felt of this could be my last one of this tournament. This is the last of this. It's about time to start looking for sponsors, going pro, making money in how I'm performing. It just took the love out of the game, and I'm not ready for that. I want to play this game for as long as I can. Your story's different. How'd you fall into Lipscomb now? Yeah, so um, some stuff came up at Charlotte. I love the school, the city. Um, unfortunately, some, some things were going on behind closed doors, and um, that allowed for an opportunity to kind of step back and reevaluate who I was outside of golf. And I honestly thought I'd never pick up a club again. And about two months ago, I picked it up while I was in the transfer portal. That was a bizarre experience because I was getting on Zoom calls with coaches like, I don't even know if I'm going to keep playing, but here I am. And this is where I feel like the Lord needs me right now. And uh, long story short, I want to pursue my master's in mental health counseling to give back one day, whether that's right after college or down the road. And um, anyways, Lipscomb came open as an opportunity. I'm going back home to Nashville and those coaches are just the biggest blessing to me. And I feel like I can really go and flourish as a person and a player there and so that's kind of how my heart ended up it there. feels just from a social media interaction standpoint that they're thrilled to have you yeah no Doesn't they're it? i mean just they great. are uh, from our short experience and seeing their them uh, socially they are open arms having you come in mm -hmm. and so uh, mental health seems to be a, a topic for both of you right now it's a topic that's very current Honestly, for me, I think that because it's it's not spoken about a lot, and obviously there's been a little bit of noise from professional athletes, which I love it. It makes me uh, personally not feel so alone because it can certainly feel lonely when you're stuck in this place. And being an athlete, man, you, you grow up and you grind, and your identity naturally kind of falls into this place of, man, I'm Sierra the golfer, but no, like, I'm Sierra, and, like, what are people going to remember me as when I'm gone I don't want it to just be about golf. I want it to be, man, she was a great friend. She was a great teammate. She was a great sister, a daughter, a mother one day. And I want to give back and bless bless these young young girls coming up too. I just, that's where my heart's at. And mentally being in a not not of a stable place, that's that's been rough for me. I've never really experienced it before. And it's kind of scary at times. And, you know, I just want to be able to be in a better place mentally, emotionally, spiritually, so that I can physically be me and all that I have to offer, whether that's inside this sport and outside of it. And uh, I think it's going to be a huge thing for me at Lipscomb, which I'm excited about. It's deep right there. It is. I, <laughs> I mean, I agree with that 100%. I'm pouring it out on the table here. Please so do. thanks for, thanks well, for no, taking that in. No, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with her 100%. Like you said, there's professional athletes that are talking about it now, but my thing is that. Not a lot of college athletes are talking about it. And I feel like that's 
I mean, college athletes are put under an extreme amount of pressure that mm-hmm. people do not realize. And coaching is something that I want to get into because, again, if I have the slightest bit of say on the next generation and yeah. how they deal with collegiate athletics and especially with their mental health in that, they shouldn't be walking away from a university struggling. They should be walking away thriving and having everything that they need handed to them when it comes to mental health, physical health, and just... I don't think people talk about the college athlete enough, like the all-around well-being of a college athlete, mm-hmm. of who they are as a person and not an athlete. Yeah. And that, that for me is just, if I have the slightest bit of say in even one person's collegiate athletic career, I'm, I'm going to be happy. Are you working your way into a potential coaching situation? <laughs> yeah. That's where you're headed. That's, that's where my heart's at. Um, I'm going to get my master's at Baylor in sports pedagogy, which is strength and conditioning, sports psychology, and kind of coaching all mixed up into one. And um, that's that's where I'm at right now. Uh, can you recruit Allie someday, please? Well, <laughs> off the record, no. Not right now. <laughs> yeah, nice job. Not right now. When I, when I spend some time reflecting on what we're doing to our kids as a father, I question myself sometimes, you know, because we're so competitive and we can be so demanding and we can put so much pressure on the amount of time that we spend prepping and working. I mean, Lucy's over here with her clubs right now. She was just hitting balls on her own and I'm already thinking, did she do enough today? And you start really working in a world of like, look over my shoulder. What's everybody else doing? Are we losing ground? Um, Am I getting this wrong? And so we are creating Ally, the golfer identity right now mm-hmm. just like maybe that's happened to you and both of you right um, so can you offer a warning or maybe counsel parents who are listening to this on how to make sure that we prioritize the mental health first and 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 also push our kids to be great because that's what this podcast mm-hmm. is about it's called yeah. grow the grind like we're trying to get people to push their kids yeah. Do you understand that? Like you're sitting in a podcast here that's trying to sure. encourage hard work, working hard. Because both of you can't be here in this position, playing in this event, doing the things you've done without spending countless amounts of hours on the golf course. Mm-hmm. So there's a separation there. I don't know. Allie, we're going to get you involved in this. I think you feel like you're sitting there in the background. But I didn't realize that we were going to come in like like this, right? Yeah. So we, ha- we, have to, we have to continue to kind of to harp on this. So can you maybe offer some counsel on that? Yeah, I... You know, I think when you talk about whole growing the grind and for your kids, I think at least from my perspective of of being a daughter, I want to grow the grind and who Sierra is first and whatever that looks like. And yes, it's exciting when we can go out here and we win trophies and, and have fun doing that. And that's that's awesome. But I think there are also appropriate times to step away and Hey, you happy today? You, did you have fun today? What else do you love? Because that's something that I felt like I never really tapped into is what else do I enjoy? I mean, I played basketball growing up and was going to go play at a small D1 school and then was like, yeah, I'll just pick up golf instead. Yeah, but you won and, a state title, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's be careful here. Yeah. I have done some homework. You've won multiple state championships. You think you went to a small private Christian school. Mm-hmm. And am I right on that? Yes. Yeah, and yeah. you had multi-sport success. So you weren't prescribing to like that 12 month athlete golfer you know no I, I really wasn't until college but you know being then in the mix of it it's like I didn't realize how unhappy I was outside of it and so I think just those like simple check-ins of like 
hey, a day off is okay. I mean, I would feel guilty for it if I took a day off because I had that same mentality of like, I'm gonna outwork everybody, blah, blah, blah. But like, I realized that that was actually really unhealthy for me. Mm. And it would have been a bigger blessing to step away and go have some ice cream and go hang out with your friends. And that was something that uh, I wish I would have done a little differently. And, uh, but you know, thankful I can pass that on now. Yeah. So. How about uh, any feedback on that, Eddie? No, I would agree. I would say never feel guilty for taking a day off, especially if you need it to mentally refresh yourself. And I would say that everyone's grind is um, it's a little different. So for me personally, I'm not going to spend hours and hours beating balls because that's not the type of person that I am. That's not my makeup. My makeup is I'd rather be out on the golf course creating shots by myself, hit, throwing one here, throwing one there. And I'd rather do that for a couple of hours, go play a match with a buddy, and call it a day. Um, but I've had teammates that are just absolute grinders and love to hit balls and just beat wedges. And good for them, but that's their grind. That's not mine. And um, and I would say, like, especially for that younger generation, build balance. Like, Allie, what do you like to do outside of golf? Play basketball and just... You know, hang out with my family and friends sometimes. Yeah, I would say keep doing it because, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're only, how old are you, Allie? Twelve. You're only twelve for so long. And enjoy it because when you get to college, it's a little different. And um, when people ask you, like, how you're doing outside of your sport, you want to say, I'm doing great because I have balance. Like, I know Sierra yeah. and I both come from a music background. Her mom is a singer-songwriter. My great-grandfather... Uh, not great-grandfather, my grandfather um, started the first jazz band at the University of Kentucky. Like, we, we come from a strong music drummers, background. Man. Yeah, we're both drummers. We both play the drums. Like, we have our balance. And that's something that we love, at, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Love music. And, I mean, for me, that's kind of my escape from golf. you got to know where it is. That and fishing. I love to fish. So you got that figured out. So let's make sure everybody understands how great a golfer you are, though. Yeah. Because yeah. okay? all that other stuff, it's probably the biggest takeaway, and we'll probably circle back to it. But you can teach you can teach our people here that listen a lot about getting to where you were, mm-hmm. all right? And you've probably learned how you might change and do some things differently, too, right? Mm-hmm. So let's focus on today, Al. We're yeah. at the North and South. Yes, we are. We want to talk a little bit about how your rounds went today, some of the challenges, some of the things that you know you need to work on, and some of the great parts about your round today. Yeah. Um, You know, I got to play with a good buddy of mine for the past two days, Annika Sayimonatafa. I've known her for a number of years. She's a Buckeye. She is a Buckeye. And, yeah, I've played a ton of college events with her. I've been playing with her since junior golf. We both played at the U.S. Open together. Um, Which Open was that? The one at Olympic just last uh, month, right? Yep, just last month. And what a nightmare course that setup was. It was a blast and a full experience in itself. The rough was ridiculous. What were your numbers? I don't mind really think I'm blast. A lot and <laughs> not as much as the day before. Uh, nice. <laughs> we love that. I honestly don't even remember. Don't need to report, but I was. I just wanted to make sure that if it, there was one low one in there, we could make sure we asked you about no. it. No. I mean, you can look it up and it's going to say MC no matter what. Right. But right. the experience was amazing. But, no, I mean, I got to play with Annika today and yesterday. Believe it or not, we both shot the same thing yesterday, so we were paired together together again today. And um, we always keep it light. She's, like, throwing cherries at me across the golf course. And <laughs> her mom is always offering me food. And, um, actually, there's her grandparents right there. 
And, yeah, Grandpa uh, set up this tent with me yesterday. Oh yeah, he's yeah. A, quite a guy. He's great. But well, he, she went, she went super low. She yeah, sixty six today. She shot sixty seven today, and I shot sixty nine. And we were just kind of feeding off of each other's energy. And afterwards, we were like, "Oh man, we would have been a killer four ball partner. Like, it just would have been great." But um, and you needed that today to make that cut. It looks yeah. like you're in. Yeah. Um, and so two was a little bit rougher for you yesterday, right? Yeah, I had a rough start. I was five over through my first four holes and ended up shooting five over total. Um, but I knew that four was going to be a little bit more gettable. And I was fortunate enough to, we both were, to uh, start on two yesterday and then finish on four today knowing what we had to do. Um, Sierra had said something great at lunch about, go for it. About like, how, I mean, how good chasing. the cookies were. How good. Oh, yeah, the cookies were great. Well, yeah, the cookies were great. No, um, I think it. I think it's better in this tournament now that they've split it up into two and four, to start on two. And the only reason I said that is because if you have a good round on four and you're, what even par, whatever. Well, you've got to you know that the next morning you're waking up to play two, and if things start spiraling out there, it's easy to kind of lose it. And I feel like that'd be a lot more pressure to handle. Uh, playing it that way so i'm thankful that we got to knock out two first but that's just my opinion you weren't thrilled with your weekend here your first two no. but i mean there were some good <laughs> takeaways there what would you say it worked well what what would you like to have back yeah um i drove the ball so well probably the best i've driven it uh in a long long time so that was good to see good for the confidence and i mean you gotta you gotta drive it out here and and keep it in the fairway to hopefully hold it in, in the areas you need to out here Unfortunately, uh, putter wasn't really helping me out, you know, having a, having a lot of good looks and none of them falling kind of wears on you mentally. And for me, if I can get a couple to drop, just seeing that happen allows me to really feel it out. And, you know, if you can see it, I feel like you can make it. And so that was kind of my issues. Just anytime you'd make a bogey, it was kind of hard because you, you weren't getting it back. But um, I'm just thankful to be out here and proud of myself for at least playing because I took about a year off, so... This and you're was, getting back into it. Yeah, getting back into it, so it's it's good. It's you know, good. there is always the option of putting with that 50-degree wedge. Yeah, when honestly, like, you made know. a bomb in that far <laughs> three contest. I like a 20-footer I think that... Like. Uh, did I send... I might have sent one of you. I think there's a picture of that. Somebody fist-pumping in a 20-footer. It might have been you. Yeah, because I, I went booking it. I ran across the whole green. <laughs> like, I did a victory lap around that green because I was like, oh, we're cooking now. Oh, there was a chip-in. There, there was that. And then, obviously, there was just a lot of, like, ridiculousness going on. People were running down the hills the other night. Mm. Curran makes a hole-in-one. By the way, she shot, like, one or two under on two today after throwing a decently-sized number up on four. Wow. So, to talk about what you're saying, like, I saw Grace on the range yesterday, and I was like, hey, Good luck, you know, yeah. <laughs> because when you when you throw a 76 or a 77 up on four and then you got that beast waiting for you, mm -hmm. yeah. for her to go out, she almost played bogey-free. She made a bogey wow. on 18 and Good had two her. or three birdies. So that was cool. That's impressive. Yeah. And so, you know, we take credit for that because, you know, she had the ace <laughs> and the momentum was rolling. That's right. Um, but, okay, Al, what do you think? Yeah, we want to take some time and talk about how you guys approach your practice rounds when you're getting ready for events like this. And what do you try to accomplish during those practice rounds? For me, I like to pick, especially off tees, like small targets. So very specific trees or um, just like objects out in the distance. Uh, especially like getting a good line off the tee, like no matter where it's at. For me, that's the most important part of the practice round. Um, that and getting to know the speed of the greens because I feel for me personally, you can mark where those, especially if the pins are marked on the greens for where they're going to be for the next day, you can, you can see where they're at and you can mark them in your book. 
um, but hitting a bunch of putts and the, the likelihood that you'll remember how it breaks or where it's going is very slim, um, personally, I would say. But for me, it's all just getting feel of how the course could potentially be playing for the next day and um, just just taking good notes, getting, getting slopes and um, knowing knowing where, you know, the fat part of the green is to hit it in order. What are my best chances of making par? Okay, so when you get up to the greens, mm-hmm. we've talked to a bunch of different people about this. I'm curious if you're going to say something different. How do you how do you tackle the greens when you get around them? Because a lot of people only hit driver, maybe one or two shots coming in, and they spent 85, 90% of their time up around the greens. Yeah. Is there something specific that you've been taught at Florida or Charlotte uh, that, that seemed to work for you? My dad's always taught me that you look at it because I get to the green and I look backwards towards the rest of the hole because if you think about it, that's how Tiger was taught. He played from the green backwards. You know, that's how his dad taught him how to play the game. So my dad always teaches me to play the hole from the green backwards in the instance of I'm sitting on the green and I'm looking backwards. I'm like, okay, this fairway is pointing me in this direction and I'll take a note on it and then I'll take balls and I'll plop them down in the middle of the green and I look at the pin and I go, yep, this is my best look at birdie. So if I plop one here, how is that going to give me the best opportunity to, at, at worst, make par? Hmm. You, Elle, you all, sometimes you tell me I really love the way this putt looks. Yeah, I just sometimes I just stand up to a putt and I'm like, I like this. It's uphill. I see this line really well and where we are, there's no grain, so I just can see it. Sometimes, and I just don't know. I just like the putts sometimes. And so are you looking for those putts? Is that what you're saying? A little Popping bit. Popping a ball down and yep. just kind of staring at different. Because uh, we saw somebody we like hit a shot in today on, I don't know what it is, 12 on number four. And I was like, that she's making that. It was a 20-footer. I was like, mm-hmm. she's going to make that putt. Because you could tell it was straight. I could just see the way she was looking at it and working around. It looked like a really good putt. Are you trying to find those spots on the greens? Yeah. I mean, like you said, if you... Allie, if you like this putt on the green, throw a little circle down in your book. Hey, I want to hit it here. Throw a little star. Um, yeah. I mean. Yeah, I I also work with uh, Decade. Have you heard, heard of Decade and the numbers around the green? And So pretty much, long story short, I have a card in my yardage book. I'll, I'll pull it out here. And there's Decade numbers, and, and those are based on... Uh, what club you have in and so around the greens I put in my yardage book like zero as in like if I miss the green here and it's a zero that means that I'm super confident I'm gonna get this up and down and then all the way up to a three which is hardest and I really don't want to miss it here because odds are I'm probably not gonna get it up and down and so when I'm up on the greens I'm I'm scanning the areas of like if I do miss or if I don't feel confident with my ball striking that day and feel like I need a safe bailout area, if I can trust my short game here, I get those numbers down in my yardage book. I pay attention to them if needed. Obviously, sometimes it's different when you're on that day. And I kind of work off of those. And that's been helpful during practice rounds just to kind of pay attention and help give myself a peace of mind around certain greens that may be a little bit more intimidating than others. So. But I also agree with Addy in the way of just finding the right pockets. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about practice and some of the things you guys do for practice. And I say this a lot, but this is something I really do like talking about, and it just inspires me um, and makes me want to work harder. I like to know what what drills you guys 
do and what drills work for you? All around? Long Just game, all around. short game, yep. putting? All um, of it. Some of your favorite. Man, I'd say some of my favorite. So I like to try to bring the golf course to the practice area. Mm-hmm. Anytime I can get competition, that's healthy for me. And so driving long game, I like to pick out fairways, make them tight, and I take 10 balls and I have a goal. Hey, I want to get eight out of 10 of these in here. Because if you also look at percentages and fairways being hit, kind of go off those. That's fun for me because it's a challenge, yes, but while it is a challenge, you're also getting really good at hitting the small area. So when you see these intimidating tee shots, you're like, well, I've hit that, I I can do that. So I'd say off the tee, that's one of my favorite. Um, Short game, I love to go around with three golf balls and get two out of three up and down. Um, I'd say that that's always a fun goal for me because it's realistic without trying to be a perfectionist. And that's something that I've had to work on is this isn't going to be a game of perfect and I'm going to mess up. So that's okay. And putting, I love uh, Hideki Matsuyama's drill. That's become one of my favorites around five feet and in. You have uh, four tees around three feet and you have three balls from each of those. So I roll three in from each of those three. And once I do that, I move to four and then to five. And if you mess up, it's not that you have to restart the whole drill. It's just from that tee alone, you have to just restart to make three in a row. And that's boosted my confidence around the hole. Um, so I'd say so those are some that came to my head right now. But Yeah, I do the Hideki drill as well. Um, that's been fantastic. And also, like, if you have a friend that you play golf with, I know at UF we would do, like, partnered putting drills a lot to where it's... Um, the chase game? Not the chase game. Uh. It's like you go you go at, you put a tee at four and five feet around, like, like in a cross around the hole. So, like, you mm-hmm. have four locations at four and five feet and you have to make them all in a row you and your partner you make like say i would make one ali would make one and then you start going around that and that pressure starts building and i feel like trying to create on course pressure in practice is something that is extremely difficult and i try to find in different drills and that is the one that has simulated it the best for me um but is that because you feel the pressure with your teammate, mm-hmm. you don't want to let them down. Yeah. You don't want to let them down, and you don't want to start that thing over again. Yeah. <laughs> um, and honestly, like today, when I had to make a three and a half footer to shoot three under, I was feeling that same pressure. It's a little different when you're, like, when you're playing by yourself versus, you know, when you have that your teammate with you. It's, it's odd because you don't want to let your teammate down, but it's, it's strange because it simulates that same amount of pressure as if you were just playing by yourself out here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do a lot of wedges. I love wedges. I love to flight them. I love to hit low spinners. I like to work them in right to left, left to right, everything. Um, and there was a there was a while where I would do at least an hour, hour and a half of wedges every single day. And I would do like a, put a square around the hole or get two flag sticks or two alignment sticks and put it like eight feet below the hole, eight feet above the hole. And it would have to stay within that area. And I would have to do, I think, 10 in a row from about 50 to 70 yards. And, I mean, that's great for me, but also, like, go out and play as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's, where, that's where it all counts. So, Addie's talking about that pressure putting and the feeling that you have when you have that three-and-a-half foot or to shoot a number or to make a cut or to win a tournament mm-hmm. in a playoff. Allie, you've found your way into some of those situations. I'm curious for all three of you, actually. Do you feel like you're a better putter when you have that feeling in your gut 
when you know it means something? Sometimes. Other times it's just scary. I would say scary. Just so you don't feel you like you're putting the ball the way you'd like to roll it in those situations because the emotion might overcome you? Well, I'm not really sure about this one because sometimes I do feel like I'm putting better when I have that pressure because if I fail, it's a disappointment. But then, I mean, it depends. I can't really answer this one. I like it when it's kind of like you got to make it moment. Um, obviously, I can't, can't go off this weekend, but I feel like most of the time if I'm like, I have to make this putt, I love it. I just nestle into my own little zone and roll it in, and then all of a sudden that par save feels like a birdie, and you're you're going. It's full send from there. So, yeah. I mean, Allie, have you played any match play recently? Like, no, you... I've never played match play. Okay, well, that is yeah. that situation, but you get it on every single hole. Mm-hmm. Like when you have to make a putt, that is that same feeling every time. And I find myself putting my best in match play. Like we played in a match play tournament couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and I felt like I made everything inside of 15 feet because I was forcing myself I, you have to make this I don't even I don't want to see the 15th hole is what I kept yeah, telling myself I, the whole I week. love these answers and that is that is how I view you that that's how I already view you because yes I thought you knew that I just feel like we're already in that place where you're trending towards wanting to putt with pressure wanting to hit those shots with people watching mm-hmm. right that's why the other day i made lucy hit the first ball in that scramble mm-hmm. I, she's seven i wanted her to to want to hit that shot because she doesn't know any better than so i like to have it i want to have it it's just in the moment sometimes i just don't feel like i'm putting better than i usually do mm-hmm. that's what i you just got me hyped was. for match play tomorrow <laughs> i love match play you got me hyped are you gonna be dangerous out there i love match play that's look all i gotta out. say <laughs> look out we're gonna get like a seven or an eight seed and roll into it um you've got a creeper over here too you're gonna have to tell annika that she's in for <laughs> she's in for the next we're coming to ohio state and we're gonna hunt her down uh, if you get people with paparazzi all around us here on the scoreboard there's a ton of action obviously we got buckets falling down people are kicking over microphones but there's a buzz around this place right now because the final numbers are coming in i think they're probably getting ready to go out and figure out who's going to be losing to addy in the in the near future here yeah I would love to see you with that putter boy out in front there. So we've covered drills. We've talked a lot about mental health, okay? We've gotten into a little bit about your work ethic and your process, um, but let's let's compartmentalize this and really hammer in the mental side and the mindset when you're when things are going good for you and, and you feel like, you know, the shots look good, you're excited to take certain putts, you know the result of a drive before you hit it. All those things are all, when, you're, when it's good, have you been coached through that? Have you have you done any? Have you had any programming on the think this the mental side, and what what tips and advice can you give others? I think there's been pieces of help and advice through people growing up, and then I think another piece of it is you got to find out what works for you in a sense. And so, um, I know that one thing that's helped me when I'm in my go zone is the whole mindfulness thing and I I really try to find noises that I would never normally notice on a golf course and all of a sudden I hear somebody's lawnmowers going and I'm like I would have never noticed that in a million years and I have like a massive obsession with uh, planes and so I'm always trying to kind of look for them but it it helps me space out but get like zoned in at the same time and so that's when I'm in my healthiest balance is when it's like I don't really care but like I care a whole bunch if that makes sense. So you're trying to pull noise out there? Yeah, because I feel like if you are searching for something so minute, it's kind of like picking that really small target out in the fairway. It's just 
listening for the smallest thing brings me into the moment because it's easy to be out there and you're thinking about the next shot and the holes that you want to birdie and what your final outcome is going to be and so I think trying to truly stay in your own process whatever that looks like and sometimes you just it takes some time to figure it out I think that that's uh, been key for me in, in certain aspects when I'm rolling and I also try to carry myself like Rory McIlroy because I love his swag like even if he's playing bad he's like he looks epic, and so I'm like, man, if you can just walk like that, then things are probably going to go pretty well. So, <laughs> Yeah, for me, like at my time in Florida, I got to know a lot of different other athletes, and I tried to learn from them as much as possible, and right now I live with two gymnasts, and I'm always hyping them up because like they're my favorite people ever. And um, my roommate, Megan Skaggs, was on the Olympic track, and we've had this conversation many of times. And for her, and which has actually helped me too, we think of like more so of body awareness of when you feel that pressure and say you have to make this six footer, what, don't think about making the six footer, think about your grip pressure. Think about your hands. Think about what's going on internally. Just like one, one thing. For me, it's like same thing. She thinks like on the beam about her hands and where they're at throughout her series rotation. And... I think about the same thing if I have to make an eight footer because sometimes my grip pressure gets kind of firm and I get a little bit jabby with the stroke. But if I'm thinking hands, 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 it lightens it up and then I'm not thinking about the putt anymore to where it takes your mind off of it, but you're still focused on one aspect of yourself. This sounds so individualized. It is. It is. Yeah. Got to find what works. You got to find what works. Mm -hmm. So from Mm -hmm. a parental perspective, just tell your kid to figure it out. I mean, because yesterday Kelly Mitchum was on and he was talking about if I could offer any advice, it would just simply be to be patient. Mm. And so this this anomaly for you, the hands thought, or for you finding a lawnmower or an airplane buzz, right? Mm -hmm. That is not something that was taught, right? You found that and it it works for you. Yeah, I've kind of, I kind of found mine through asking other people. Like, I love to know how other athletes function outside of golf. Like, like I said, my gymnast roommates, like, good friend of mine's going to the Olympics to run hurdles. Grant Holloway, he's on track to win a gold medal for the Olympics. I asked him about it, too. And um, just, I would say, ask questions. Ask questions to everybody. Never be afraid to go up and ask another golfer. Um, your teammate in basketball, ask them what works for you. I see that you're having success. How are you, like, how are you doing that? And for me, you find that individualized aspect of it. I feel like for me, I have asked, done it through asking questions and being mm-hmm. curious. That's not going to hurt. That's not going to hurt at all. Yeah. What are some of your most memorable, memorable moments through your golf career? When you have a catalog in your head, that's about 700. It's tough to pick a few, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, whoa, that's a good question. Man. I mean, big events, yeah, it, big events, huge wins, uh, maybe moments with family, family, things like that. Just things mm-hmm. that if you were to reflect and go back over time here and you really like just, you would like to play that highlight reel in your head Yeah. of those, those just, it could be just, it could be a shot, it could be a hug, it could be yeah. anything. Like, is there anything that stands out? Yeah. So a couple things come to mind. Uh, last year I got to play in my first ever women's AM. That was a pretty special experience just to 
kind of be there around the buzz. I mean, it's like, this is what everybody kind of dreams of growing up, you know? And so that was such a privilege to, to go over there and be a part of that event. I also came to mind, I mean, this is throwing it back to high school, but it's, it's more than just the sport. It was walking off after I'd won two state titles and then I was going for my third my senior year and I ended up not walking away with it, but yet I was most at peace more so than when I did win it. And it was neat because I had a couple uh, people come up to me like, man, I, I honor you in this place of you, like you're happy and excited where you're at, even like, no, you're not walking away with that. And I, that's what I'm searching for again, to be back in that place where it's like, regardless of like the wins or losses, that you're genuinely content, you're having fun because that is so easily stripped away. Um, so that's, that's another, I think, just a beautiful moment and one of my journeys just having that privilege of hearing those things towards me you guys are incredibly deep it's like borderline poetry going on on this thing right now really it's it's heartfelt and it's meaningful and it's got a lot of purpose and it's 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 relevant it's relevant to to what we're trying to accomplish it's i don't know i mean it's it's therapy to me in a way because i i I don't care if they win i just want the process to be enough so that we can have more moments yeah. you know we can i can we can afford these opportunities where she's not I hate to break this yet she can't find an olympian to talk to right now you yeah. Know? yeah yeah she, mm-hmm. she just she's not going to have some all-american gymnast who clearly has the strongest head i mean if you think about what the gymnast is from a mental standpoint i don't think they're given nearly enough credit they are probably at the golfers level you know at that major league pitchers level because of how strong their mind is i don't Right now, you got like a kid that likes to jump on a trampoline in the backyard, right? And somebody who likes to do like six or seven TikToks a day. That's who yeah. we have to work with. So for me, I'm trying to I'm trying to give her, you know, that pathway or that ladder so that she can, you know, step up the rung to to get to that point where she has every college every college athlete we've talked to has a a plethora of, of others that they can really say, hey, how's this go for you? You know, Ivy talked about. You know, texting baseball players. Yesterday, Hannah and Abby were, were really excited because Mississippi State just won, you know, the first ever national championship in their college. They have that. So for us, we're trying to create that. Yeah. Well, that's good. And and for you? Mine's moments. not as deep as Sierra's. Good. Because <laughs> um, you're a goof, right? Yeah, I am. I would just say from, I would say a time period for me. And it was from this past December, right around Christmas time, to right now. It's been a whirlwind. I'll say that for the least. Um, I played in Arnold Palmer Cup. I found out I got into Augusta. I've got one of the last spots into Augusta. Um, between those two, I had a tumor in my hand that I had to get surgically removed. So that was just an absolute emotional roller coaster for me. Um, you know, I went and played Augusta, sat at the chairman's dinner uh, table at his dinner, which was unbelievable. And then I, we lose to get into match play by one shot at SECs. We miss nationals by one shot at regionals. And then I get into the, I get a call that I get into the U.S. Open. And I'm like, okay, well, here we go. And then I find out that I'm having to transfer and go to Baylor right soon after I find out I get into the U.S. Open. Just, I would say just this emotional whirlwind of this past seven months has been just absolutely humbling and, you know, 
mentally strengthening, you know, myself and, um, I'm super supportive. I mean, I'm super appreciative of the support system I have around me and Sierra has definitely been a big part of that recently and I couldn't be more appreciative towards her. And, um, just knowing that I have golf to fall back on is something that I'm extremely grateful for. Great. Let's talk gains. When did you have the biggest improvement or jump in the quality of your guys' play? Hmm. That's a great great question. question. (laughs) I love that question. Honestly, before college, I was just an athlete kind of swinging this thing around my body and uh, figuring it out and then showing up and learning course management and learning my own game and truly just how do you go get the ball in the hole. And I, I would say that I'm still kind of on my process. I, I haven't peaked yet, and I'm, I'm hoping to be in a healthier environment. It'll allow me, to, allow me to do that. But I think just being in college, keep getting on the tee box. You know, you have so many opportunities to travel this country. You get to play so many different styles of golf courses. And I was, I was stuck on, I was at the practice facility more than the course. And that part of that had to do with just the way that I grew up and what we could afford and couldn't on and off the golf course. But being on the course for me was huge and that's where I noticed my biggest jumps because the more times I stood up on that tee box well all of a sudden I started hitting a lot more fairways and things got better and easier and I was more excited to be there than nervous and obviously nerves are natural and good but I'd say just during my time in college is when I I started to really grow and um, hopefully I continue on the path uh, from here on but that was a big a big jump for me I'd say. I'd say mine was between sophomore and junior year of college um you know we I had a lot of uh a lot of great teammates one of them being Sierra Brooks who I mean most everybody knows who Sierra Brooks is in the golf world and she's a runner runner up in the USAM and um believe it or not her dad and my dad played college golf together and then I ended up playing college golf with her so yeah golf's a small world and she pushed me to be such a great player and um, she she kind of brought out the best in my game because we were so competitive with each other because we knew how competitive our dads were with each other. Um, so sophomore and junior year, I kind of made that jump of um, – there goes Ivy. She's going after yeah. the playoff right She now. is. She's going to get Borgia, it. Borgia, Kim, Shepard. Yeah. That's going to be a good one. No, but I many spots, but yeah, let's let's go, let's go. go. Okay, that's gonna be a good one. But um, no, yeah, I mean, sophomore and, and junior year of college, just because I kind of tightened the screws a little bit, especially with the wedge game, and um, uh, just kind of I knew myself better than I ever have in the past, and knew what made myself tick, and uh, you know, I just kind of capitalized on that. It's great. I want to know what some people or tournaments that push you to want to work harder, like mm. even as you were younger. What or is now. that for you, Allie? Um, probably some of these. The, my first AJGA, it's shown me like I want to work harder and what I need to do to work harder. You've played in an AJGA? Yeah, I, I just played in my first one. Which one? Um, it was the Harold Varner. Yeah, she did the uh, junior all stars in Boardman, Ohio, yeah. and then she did the one in Clemens. No way! I didn't play my first AJGA until I was 15 years old. <laughs> That's Same. why we put her in it. I, I didn't care US what she did. This is crazy now. You get like if you play in these tournaments four times and she was 70, even or better, 
you get four AGGA stars. Wow. Yeah. So she racked up nine and I said, let's go. Yeah. You know, whatever you do, you do. And she's saying that because she knows that she, I don't, you you weren't very happy with the results, were you? I mean, no, one day I you were super proud. She one shot day, 78 yeah. in Clemens, and I thought it was a tough course. Like the maybe the in the field, she might have had like the 12th lowest round of the day. Wow. The other two weren't as good, and I think afterwards she was like, "Well, all right, I got a long way to go." But we wanted to set a bar for her because she's going to be in that, like you said, till she's 15 years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the bar is set. I mean, you're already like 12 steps ahead of us. I mean, <laughs> I started um, late. <laughs> we we uh, just played Tennessee Junior Golf until. We could get into an AJGA. Yeah. That's what I feel like. Mm-hmm. What was the question again? Yeah. yeah that, <laughs> just, that really threw him off. Well, oh. just like, I thought she was going to say U.S. Kids. I thought she was going to say that the U.S. Kids Championship pushes her every year to work really hard. And it's that something too. she puts on her calendar and she thinks about. And that's why she goes to the course to work. You yeah. Know? Yes, that too. But um, I'm saying recently. That's more recent. But U.S. Kids and the World Championships I work towards every year. And that's what. Is there anything like that that, that, that you guys me. remember, or that yeah. maybe that's not a pro, maybe that's not relevant yeah. for you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this year in particular for me, but in general, I'm a huge goal setter. I'm a big believer in writing them down, speaking them over yourself, and I literally would make this whole list of things that I wanted to check off, understanding that no, I probably would not do most of them, but an off chance that I could reach one of them or attain one of them would be would be a big win for me, and so. I I think just in general I me writing those down and understanding that that would be something that I would be honored to be a part of help me wake up in the morning and and go out there and want to work for it and I haven't I haven't yet been able to be a part of a ton of stuff but it doesn't mean that my time still can't be coming another time soon so I think just kind of seeing them and looking at them and reading them over yourself was a big a big eye opener for me to just get out there and it's keep huge. grinding one event that was very motivating for me was actually this tournament five years ago was my first time playing out here and it was before my freshman year of college and i missed the cup by a mile and this golf course absolutely ate my lunch and it was back when it was all played on course number two and you know i made i made some great friends that year um you know not only players but i had a great caddy and i ended up taking him to go caddy for me in the usam later that year and I think that was extremely motivating for me to come out here and miss the cut, to know that, okay, it's real. We're about to go into college, no more junior golf, and I wish I would have done it three years beforehand. Yeah, just Earlier to kind better. Of, yeah. yeah. Just create that, like I said, create that bar yep. for yourself. And now here you are, five yeah. years later. I've made, yeah. How many times have you made the cut? This is my third time. And? How deep have we rolled? Round of 16 twice. And lost to great players both Who'd times. Who'd you lose to last year? Uh, I missed a cut last year. year before, I lost to Dylan Kim, who is unreal. She played at Baylor for a little bit and then transferred to Arkansas, won an SEC championship at Arkansas. And then the year before that, I lost to Emma Albrecht, who is actually at UF in med school right now. She's extremely smart. She went to Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah, she's Lauren's teammate. Addie will be rolling into match play tomorrow. That's a big accomplishment in a field like this. Congrats on that. We have been hanging out in the Carolina air long enough today. Let's get you guys some air conditioning. This episode was recorded just in front 
of the Pioneer Scoreboard for both the North and South Am and the 124th U.S. Open that will be taking place on Pioneer's number two in 2024. Addie and Zara, thank you so much for joining us today. You were amazing. Can't wait to watch some match play golf tomorrow in the North and South. You really can't beat championship golf at Pinehurst. And always remember, golf is great, the grind makes it greater. That's right. Thanks, guys. Thanks yeah. for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank Pretty you. Thanks. Should we try to go watch some of that? Play? Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm, yeah, definitely. You want to go? Let's go. Um, Why sure. not? What else are we going to do, right? Yeah. All right. No, thanks for joining us, yeah. guys. It was thanks. awesome. Thanks.